Revelation chapter 13. John the Apostle is writing. And he says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. It be a name that's against the Lord. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a dragon. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months, three and a half years. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Blaspheme the name of God, all those who are believers in God, even those who have died and gone into the presence of the Lord or those who were raptured at this time. And it was granted to this beast to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Wow. Who is able to make war with him? Who is able to stop this one that Revelation refers to as the beast? So with that, this beast, we commonly refer to the beast as Antichrist. But where does this term come from? What does it mean? How does it work out in the days that are coming? How does it work out for you and me today? I'm going to answer a bunch of questions. You ready? Okay, first question. Number one, what does Antichrist mean? Well, the Bible reveals two kinds of Antichrist. First, there's an Antichrist that is already present in the world. In 1 John, we read this, chapter 2, verse 18. John writes, little children... It is the last hour, in other words, children of God, in other words, believers in Christ that he's writing to. It is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. So he's predicting something in the future, right? But even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. The term anti simply means against. So he writes here, there's an Antichrist coming, the Antichrist, but there's many who are already against Christ. Make sense? So the term simply means against Christ. John also talks specifically about those who say that Jesus is not the Christ. Uh, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Those who say, no, he didn't really come. They're a deceiver. And an antichrist. You you ever watch those TV programs or hear about them and National Geographic or whatever, and they're saying, no, Jesus wasn't really the Christ. He was just a man. No, he's this. He was that type of thing. 1 John chapter 4, verse 3 indicates that the spirit of antichrist 
is also manifest by those who deny the incarnation of Christ. Every spirit that does not, 1 John 4, verse 3, that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So we have this. John definitely lays it out there. There is the spirit uh, that, that, that goes through this world of people denying Christ, denying the existence of him, denying that he, uh, this man really did die for the sins of the world, was buried and resurrected and ascended into heaven. And that's, de that's a denial. That is the spirit of Antichrist. It's out there. It's flooded our world, flooded uh, the media, flooded universities, uh, the whole bit. But that takes us to question number two. Uh, so does the Bible teach that there will be a human being known as Antichrist? In all the Bible, only 1st and 2nd John explicitly use the word Antichrist. And in those verses, we see it as a word for those who oppose the gospel, right? Against Christ, they oppose the gospel, deny Jesus really came, and so forth. However, note this. Is there really a human being that will be known as Antichrist? I say yes. Back to 1st John chapter 2, verse 18. John wrote this, little children, you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Remember what he said next? But many Antichrists are already here, the spirit of Antichrist. But this is teaching us the, there is a specific one. There's a whole bunch of little Antichrists out there. They've infiltrated everything. You professors at universities and, and TV media personalities, all sorts, right? Uh, churches have Antichrist. There's even churches that operate with Christian denominations that teach, well, Jesus is just a way. Well, not really. Well, it's just the thought of this esoterical thing, right? But with that, the, there is the one who is coming, the Antichrist that is against, uh, against the Lord Jesus Christ. This verse is specific about a person that is coming and I'll say this before we go further, this person who's coming, we call him the Antichrist, Revelation 13 calls him the beast. Listen, this person that's coming that's known as the Antichrist is a man, not a woman. There are a lot of people that say, oh, that woman, she's the Antichrist. No, no, whoever, you know, you can fill in the blanks. Um, uh, no. Everywhere you see the beast or the Antichrist referred to, speaking of the days of the tribulation, it's always, always, always in the masculine form. But notice how John says you've heard the Antichrist is coming. So John doesn't have to get into it. You've already heard about this person. You know about it. So I don't have to tell you about that, right? It'd be like us. Well, you've heard about King Kong. Well, he's coming. All right, something like that. You get a visual in your mind. All right, King Kong's coming, that giant gorilla climbing up the Empire State Building. He's on his way. You've heard the Antichrist. The one is still coming, and he's going to come. We know from the Bible, Old and New Testament, he's coming at the end of, uh, in the end days. During the tribulation period, he'll be revealed. Number three, where does the Bible introduce Antichrist. Well, types of Antichrist are introduced in a way 
uh, through Nimrod at the Tower of Babel. He was a type of Antichrist. A pharaoh during the days of Egypt was also a type of Antichrist. But specifically, around 600 years before Christ, during the Babylonian exile, God gave many revelations to his prophet Daniel, and in those revelations we see specific details about the Antichrist. And we are introduced to the Antichrist in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel writes, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. What Daniel has seen up to this point were different kingdoms that, were, uh, that had arrived on the scene. The, the Greek uh, kingdom, the Medo-Persian Empire. But here he comes up, he sees, he sees this fourth kingdom. It's, it's massive. It's, there's iron in everything, right? And he says this. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, different from the kingdoms that were before it, and it had ten horns. We start getting clues here. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. Let me stop here. Uh, Book of Revelation also talks about the ten horns. And Revelation chapter 17, when we get there in the future, talks about, uh, it, it gives us the understanding that there's going to be a ten-kingdom empire. I look at Revelation chapter 17. I put it together with this from Daniel and Revelation 13. It appears to me it's very clear. There's going to be ten elite powers. Uh, Revelation 17 calls them kings and horns. Daniel calls them horns. There's going to be ten of them. Uh, there's, we hear a lot about the elite groups that want to run the, uh, co- the New World Order and the, clumming, uh, the, the uh, coming global government, the globalists. There's going to be ten elite rulers that are going to rise up. Uh, Will the world be divided into ten different kingdoms? Or will out of Europe, will, and I'll I'll explain why Europe in a minute, but out of Europe, will there be ten different kings that rise up? Well, whichever one it is, there's an eleventh horn or eleventh king that comes up among the ten. So there's ten already, a little one. In other words, he's not real well known. He's going to come out of nowhere. He's going to pop on the scene like, Bada boom, bada bing, all of a sudden he's here. He's got personality. He may be really young when he comes up. Um, Lots of clues are given in the Bible about him. Um, But he's going to pluck up three by the roots. So there's three kingdoms or three uh, kings or elite rulers that he's going to say, no, you're done. You're out of here. He's going to be able to eliminate them. What else do we know from Daniel 7? Uh, And there... In this horn, this is the 11th horn, the Antichrist, the beast, were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. So he's, got a, he's, he's just bold. I mean, he says whatever he wants to say. Uh, so we enter into the 21st century. You think of mouth just speaking whatever you think of Donald Trump. It just kind of goes out there in his tweets. But here's the thing that's interesting about that is I have... Uh, uh, friends that say, you know, everybody's always figured out who the Antichrist is. They've been wrong every time. But I have friends say, oh, Donald Trump's the Antichrist because of this one verse. Oh, that alone, speaking pompous words. <laughs> There's a lot more to it than that. 
Um, the personality of the Antichrist, I don't think we'll have time to get in there tonight. Very charismatic, winsome personality. Everybody's going to love this guy. Eh, it doesn't fit. Uh, I don't know if you watched. Um, also, from Revelation 13, he speaks pompous words against the Most High. One thing Trump does is he actually talks very good of God. Uh, what his relationship is with God, I don't know, but he doesn't speak pompous words against the Most High and against uh, the things in heaven and against his people, as we just read in Revelation chapter 13. So anyways, this gives us a little bit more background, right? The Antichrist is coming. There's going to be 10 elite rulers. The Antichrist is going to be the 11th coming up, getting rid of three of them. We move on. Number four, what will the nationality be of the antichrist well this is a highly controversial topic question alone it's kind of a fun one i like this one uh, but again the clue comes from daniel so this is what daniel says daniel chapter 9 excuse me i need a drink of water there it is after the 62 weeks the messiah uh, will be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war desolations are determined. Or the, uh, We'll just stop here, actually. The people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off. That's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a 483-year period from the command to build this, uh, rebuild the city of Jerusalem until the Messiah would be cut off. You read further back in Daniel, you're able to figure that out. It was 483 years from the time of the command to rebuild the city of Jerusalem until Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey on Palm Sunday, just a couple days before he was crucified. So 62 weeks, I'll show you how this math works out comes out to a period of 483 years. You're thinking, well, how's that work? I said, I'll show you. So the Messiah being cut off is speaking of when Jesus was crucified. He wasn't cut off for himself. He was cut off for the sins of the world, for anyone who would believe in him. Wish the Antichrist speaks against anyone that's in heaven, right? All those who are saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but who, what's the nationality of the Antichrist? Well, this tells us this also. The people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The prince who is to come is a reference to the Antichrist or the beast. The people, he's going to come from the people who destroy the city and the sanctuary. The city is Jerusalem. The sanctuary was the temple that was located on the Temple Mount. The Romans destroyed the, the city of Jerusalem and the temple in 70 A.D. In fact, when you go to Jerusalem today, you will actually see the rocks from the temple that were thrown over the side of the Temple Mount. And you can see them down there on the ground when the Romans destroyed it in 70 A.D. So the people who destroyed the city were the Romans. Now this leads us to another question. So that appears then that the Antichrist is going to come out of, we know from here and other places, a Roman Empire, but it's going to have to be a revived Roman Empire, because the Roman Empire is dead, which also fits with the Bible too, by the way, a revived Roman Empire. So the Romans destroyed it, simple enough, right? Roman Empire destroyed it, the Antichrist is coming out of a Roman Empire. There's a problem, or this is what some people say is a problem.
Daniel chapter 2 uh, tells us about a dream that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had. And the king had this, this dream of this statue, and in the statue you have the head of gold, which was the Babylonian kingdom. You have the breastplate uh, of, of uh, silver, which was the Medo-Persian empire. Now you can see that up there. Um, by the way, this will be online. You can get it online tomorrow if you want. Um, uh, you have the belly and the thighs of brass. That's the Greek empire. And then you have two legs. You have the legs of iron, which are Rome. Right? The Roman empire ended. And then you have the feet. By the way, uh, notice the feet of iron and clay at the bottom, a revived Roman empire. There's ten toes. Um, we'll get more into that in Revelation chapter 17. Ten toes, they go along with the ten horns. But notice you have two legs on the Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire had a western king, uh, capital, and they also had an eastern capital. So it's interesting, you have two legs on this, two legs of iron. So I have a lot of friends and acquaintances that say because of this, in Daniel chapter 9, the people who destroy the city are the Roman Empire, while the revived Roman Empire is going to be out of the eastern leg of the Roman Empire, which had its headquarters in ancient uh, Constantinople, which is modern-day Istanbul in Turkey. Therefore, the Antichrist is coming out of the eastern leg of the Roman Empire, and he's going to be Muslim. Uh, they will also say that when the Romans destroyed the sanctuary in the city in 70 A.D., that the Roman Empire would have used the people who were indigenous to the area surrounding Jerusalem. So it would have been um, what we would think of as the Arab population around Jerusalem at that time, the brothers, the, the sons of Esau and so forth. That would be the Edomites. They'd be the ones which would translate over the centuries, according to this theory, into modern-day Arabs or even those who have now become Islamic. Hence, the Antichrist is going to come out of an Islamic kingdom that is headquartered in Constantinople, or ancient Constantinople, now Istanbul. So the Antichrist will be perhaps out of Turkey or perhaps out of uh, uh, Iraq. Here's some problems with this, all right? The eastern leg of the Roman Empire was not official until 285 Common Era. Um, that was over 200 years after Rome destroyed uh, Jerusalem and the temple to, over 200 years later. In fact, the capital was Byzantium. Then it became known as Constantinople and now Istanbul. Hence, you hear the term Byzantine Empire. That was from the eastern leg of the Roman Empire. So the, 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 the problem is that that's one of them this eastern leg of the Roman Empire wasn't official until over 200 years later. And, and also, the Romans did use Europeans who came over to the land of Jerusalem, to the land of Israel in Jerusalem, and they were Roman soldiers. Not just uh, Roman soldiers in name, but they were of that European descent coming over and conquering. And there were definitely some indigenous people that worked there. There's no doubt about it. But it was the Roman Empire of the Western that was headquartered in Rome that destroyed the city. So I look at this. This is my own opinion. And I realize there's two different schools of thought on this. It's the right leg or the left leg. It's the Western Roman Empire or the Eastern Roman Empire. My personal opinion is that the Antichrist will rise out of Europe. 
Um, I can speculate about this. I can look at the Bible and say, well, the Bible seems pretty clear to me. But out of Europe, the European Union is a mess. There's been a lot of false predictions over the years. A lot of people said uh, the European Union is going to be it. And as, and as soon as the European Union hit 10 nations, um, prophecy teachers started to say, well, they've got 10 kings now, 10 toes, 10 horns. Therefore, the Antichrist is coming up any day. Next thing they had 11, then they had 12, then they had 13, got to 29, I think. And now you got Brexit going on. Now things seem to be going the opposite way. The European Union is in shambles, right? They've, they've got all kinds of problems right now. Uh, what's happening in Europe is, uh, is uh, what's happening in America. So in America, we have Donald Trump has risen up, and he, his, everything he does confronts the globalist agenda, uh, the New World Order. So he's, he's really rejected by the globalists, by the elite. So you have the two different movements going on in America. In, the, in Europe, what's happened is they already had this, this type of movement happening there with, on a smaller scale with people who were going against the George Soroses of Europe and, and things like that. They didn't like the, the globalist movement of the European Union. But when Trump came along in America, he has energized a lot of mini-Trumps, I guess you would call them, in various places throughout Europe who are rising up and they're saying, we're not putting up with this. So what is taking place over in Europe is this chaos and civil unrest and the things that are happening. If you were watching the news the other day, we saw Trump uh, over there in uh, England. You got protests one day against him. The next day, it's just the opposite, supporting him. So we see all of these various things that are going on. Simple enough? Am I giving you all too much information? Okay. So you ready for more? I'll try to get through the rest of it faster, really. Well, not too fast. When will Antichrist peace end? Well, what peace? Well, in Daniel chapter 9, there's a peace covenant that's going to be confirmed. And when will it end? Well, this is what the Bible says. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Then he, that would be the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Uh, one week meaning week of years, a.k.a. seven years. Hence, when you saw the 62 weeks earlier, um, it, it, you have 62 weeks plus seven more, 69 weeks, that's 483 years, because each week is a period of seven years. That's how that works out. Why is a week a period of seven years? It's a sabbatical week. A sabbatical week would be seven-year period. Hence, there's the, the, the entire uh, duration of the 483 years, or 69 weeks, were fulfilled uh, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey on Palm Sunday. That was done. The 70th week is left. That is the tribulation period, the, the final seven years. You guys still tracking with me okay? Okay. So the Antichrist is going to confirm a covenant with many for one seven-year period, a.k.a. the 70th week of Daniel. Um, to confirm means to make strong. In other words, there's already a peace covenant that is on the table. To confirm means to make it strong. Simple enough. He's going to confirm it. He's going to make this peace covenant work, at least temporarily, because in the middle, look what it says here, in the middle of the week, or in the middle of the seven-year period, he, it should have been a small h, uh, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Can I change that real quick? Because it's kind of messing me up. And this is all going to be all over the internet. And people are going to write me and say I'm of the devil. So, uh, 
There we go. So he, that be the Antichrist, shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. He's going to end the seven-year peace covenant at the three-and-a-half-year mark. Still got it? Okay. What's going on now? Well, here's this. Free Palestine boycott Israel, right? Why? Because Israel won't enter into peace with um, uh, with the Palestinians. Times of Israel, this report from some time back says, boycotts will disappear when Israel advances peace, UN, UN envoy says. So you, we're going to have this peace plan. Okay. Here's this. Donald Trump, this is from uh, the Jewish press, to concentrate on Gaza Strip in lieu of a larger peace deal. So what we have in the world is this push toward peace in Jerusalem. And Daniel says it's going to be a peace covenant that's going to be confirmed with many. Why? Why is this coming? Why is this such a big deal? The Bible says it's going to happen. Why does the world really care about what happens in Jerusalem? Because it's God's city. It doesn't make any sense except it's spiritual. But here is what Isaiah chapter 28 says. Now listen to these words. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You scornful men who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. In, De in Isaiah chapter 28, Isaiah is prophesying that God says in the last days, bad men are going to rule Jerusalem, not good men. Because you have said, this is why, you leaders of Jerusalem have said, we have made a covenant with death and with Shul we are in agreement. Why? When the overflowing scourge passes through, the overflowing scourge will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge. Untruth is our refuge. A covenant. Daniel chapter 9 with the devil. That's what's going on here. You've entered into a covenant with death, with shul. We made lies our refuge. And under falsehood, we have hidden our selves. Wow. There's a scourge coming upon them. That's what Isaiah wrote. Because of the scourge that's coming upon us, we're entering into an agreement, and they're promised, although it's a lie, that if they enter into this agreement, they'll be able to avoid the scourge. God also tells us in Isaiah 28, I'm not going to read it to you, that the whole covenant is going to be made null and void. So, so we look at this and we go, okay, in Daniel chapter 9, in the middle of the week, in the middle of the seven-year period, they are not going to avoid the scourge that's coming against them. It appears something's coming against Jerusalem. You enter into this agreement with us or all hell's going to break out on you guys. So they do. At the three-and-a-half-year point, it's done. Remember the Antichrist? He breaks it in the middle of it. Remember that? This is what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Daniel the prophet, we just read that, entering into a covenant with the many. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. In other words, the scourge is going to come to you in Israel. It's going to be really bad. It'll be the worst holocaust that's ever come among the Jewish people. Horrible time. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. <clears throat> but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. 
and pray that your flight may not be on winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Wow, pretty bad, isn't it? Okay, so are you guys still tracking all right? All right? I don't see too many people sleeping yet. So I'll try to get through the rest of it a little bit quicker, but I want you to look up at this graph so you can really get an understanding. Um, you See that? That says you are here. That's where we are. Rapture hasn't taken place yet. The rapture will take place uh, someday. We don't know when. Um, by the way, some people think, and this is wrong, that the rapture marks the beginning of the tribulation period. It does not. In fact, that graph can be a little bit deceiving when you look at it. Um, the rapture does not begin the tribulation period. You know what begins the tribulation period? When the Antichrist confirms the covenant, Daniel chapter 9. It, it, it's the seven-year tribulation period. That's what he's confirming. For seven years, I promised to give you peace. At three and a half years, he breaks his promise, and all hell breaks out on earth, especially to the Jewish people when it comes to the persecution the scourge coming to them. So the, the uh, uh, scourge, what Daniel talks about, Isaiah talks about, happens right uh, uh, when the scourge actually takes place is here. Where Jesus talked about the abomination of desolation and all the destruction of Judea, that starts right here. That's the middle of the tribulation. When the Antichrist breaks his covenant, here's the good news. Uh, we'll be up here. And then we get to come back with Jesus at the end of the tribulation period. That's really good news. Okay, with that, let's get moving a little bit quicker, because now I can see you guys are drifting. Ready? Who or what is the beast of Revelation? Um, John tells us. Uh, in fact, we just read all these verses. Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. We saw them all. No need to go back through those and, and read them. But we saw who he was. He has his mouth speaking pompous words. He's, uh, he's evil. Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Revelation 13 says he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Was given authority to continue for 42 months. Three and a half years. First three and a half years, he brings in a pseudo peace to Jerusalem. The last three and a half years, he brings this massive scourge against the Jewish people. Uh, while the great tribulation period is bringing earthquakes, uh, volcanoes, famine and pestilence on the rest of the world. Um, also, by the way, in this, let me see where it is. It tells us, ah, I think I went too far. Uh, there it is. I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. Speak, speaking of... Uh, um, kingdoms that are rising and the antichrist rising up out of the kingdom as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast um, so what is that about uh, there's two different schools of thought some people think that it means the roman empire was mortally wounded but it's going to come back to life we know that in a sense that happens but this seems to speak specifically to the individual known as the Antichrist. We know there's a false prophet. The Bible speaks of the Antichrist as being a man, a person, and not a kingdom. I believe it simply teaches this, that the Antichrist is going to suffer some kind of wound that's going to appear to kill him. 
and he's going to appear to rise back from the grave. Understand this, that Satan is a copycat. The devil's a copycat. He copies everything. There's an unholy trinity and a holy trinity, right? The holy trinity is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The unholy trinity is Satan, the father of lies, his son, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, the unholy spirit. So he copies everything. So as Jesus Christ did die and was resurrected, the Antichrist will appear to at least die, and then he also will resurrect, and everybody will marvel and say, wow, who is like the beast? So next question, where will Antichrist get his power? Um, I'll tell you, it's from the devil. Uh, the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. It takes us to another question. Now I'm getting faster. Is, am I getting faster for you? Okay, because I'm doing this on purpose. Uh, who is the dragon? Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 says, So uh, the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world. In uh, Revelation chapter 20 tells us this. He laid hold of the dragon that the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. So the dragon who empowers the Antichrist is Satan himself. I believe, not everybody agrees with me that teaches Bible prophecy, but I believe that Satan will himself, that he is the one who will possess uh, the Antichrist. And some people um, think it will be a high-ranking demon, but I actually believe it will be Satan himself possessing him. Uh, next question, number nine, we're almost done. Will the Antichrist rule the entire world? What do you think? Okay, kind of a trick question and a tricky answer. Revelation 13, we read it. I'll read it again real quick. Authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. So this implies everybody in the world who doesn't know Jesus Christ will worship the Antichrist. However, there's a problem with the understanding of it, because with anything in the Bible, you've got to see what the rest of the Bible says, right? To make sure you don't take anything out of context. Here's what we know. During the time of his reign, we see that the nation-states of the world remain intact, even though they will be subordinate to the global authority. We also know that there will be individuals that will not take the mark of the beast. And here it says every tribe, he was given authority over every tribe, but not every tribe, not every person, and not every nation even submits to him. We know this uh, from uh, the book of Revelation, the battle of Armageddon, that there will be four major groups at war at Armageddon, but only one of them will be under Antichrist control. We know from Daniel chapter 11 that Jordan is not in, uh, goes against the Antichrist. Uh, we know from, uh, that Egypt goes against the Antichrist. We know that what was formerly known as the kingdom of Assyria, much of it turns against the Antichrist, which would be uh, some of modern-day Iraq and some of modern-day Syria. They are uh, also against the Antichrist. We know that the kings of the east are against the Antichrist. We know that Gog uh, of Magog, is also not in uh, lockstep with the Antichrist. So the Antichrist is going to have, uh, not every nation is going to be woohoo, just like today. right? We see what's going on in Europe. We see what's going on in America. Not every nation says, do you think China's ever going to say, yeah, we want to submit to that ruler over in Europe? There ain't no way that's going to happen. And biblically, it doesn't happen that way. There is this global movement 
But within the global movement, there's an underlying rebellion that happens. The global movement's going to demand certain things because of the economy and technology, but not everybody's going to be in favor of it. And the Antichrist is going to have some rebellions he's going to have to deal with. Number 10, just two more questions. Will sophisticated modern people actually worship a man? What do you think? This isn't rocket science, right? So think back. Um, with, uh, this is from 2000. Seriously, just hold on a second. So remember this Newsweek, Barack Obama, the second coming. Remember that? People, he's, he's got to be it. All right, let's not stop there. Uh, Putin, hailed as humanity's savior as Kremlin PR machine kicks in, right? So you have this with Barack Obama. You have this with Putin. I'm going to show you something else. This is going to tick off some of you, some of you Republicans. You ready? Okay, so this is the coin, right? Some of you have seen this. I've shown it here before. The coin that's been minted by the Sanhedrin over in Israel. It has the picture of Cyrus and the picture of Donald Trump on the front. And a lot of Jews, and I understand why, they're they are really rejoicing over Donald Trump because of the move of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. But can a person start to praise a man like that and worship him. Well, yeah, we see it happen all the time. Cults operate that way. Um, we see it with musicians. What kind of an effect did the Beatles have on people? For those of you who are old enough to remember the music tonight, right? So you start looking, Elvis. I love Elvis. I mean, I don't love him like that. I mean, man, I like Elvis' music. I think it's great. But you start seeing, and you see some of these old pictures of Beatle concerts, some of the women are just like, woo, you know, it's like, you know, you see these things, they're like in trances over, the, you know, whatever. Then you throw in the Pope. Pope is for next time. We're talking about the false prophet. There's, there's a lot there. But yes, people will worship this beast. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, the coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and line wonders, and um, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. God is going to send the world a delusion. I want you to pay attention to that because I believe the delusion's already started. I'm looking at some of the things that are promoted out there. You're thinking, how can people believe this? God says, I'm going to send them strong delusion. Why? Because they would not receive the love of the truth. I don't want Jesus. I completely reject him. I reject the Bible. And people are, listen, are people believing the nuttiest things? You're looking at, how could anybody believe this? These things are not making any sense. God says it's going to be this way. This delusion is only going to increase as we get closer and closer to that uh, time. Um, for this reason, God will send them the strong delusion that they will believe the lie that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but have pleasure in unrighteousness. So we see this going that way. Last question, what happens to the Antichrist? Uh, this is what happens to him. You ready? Okay, last question. Oh, almost last question. Uh, really close. Uh, this is what happens to him. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. In other words, he saw the beast, the Antichrist, and all those uh, of the world that were fighting with him to make war against Jesus Christ. And against those who were returning with Jesus Christ, which would be, woohoo, us, right? His army. And then the beast was captured, woohoo, 
and with him the false prophet double woohoo who works signs in his presence so the the antichrist false prophet are captured by which he the antichrist deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image these two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone that's a that that's that's a double woohoo I've lost my woo-hoo ability because my voice is... Thank you. (laughs) I should have known it was you. (laughs) I can't. My voice is like drying up. (laughs) It is. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. Woo-hoo! Woo! Okay. All right. What have I started? (laughs) Last question. What will happen to those who worship the Antichrist? It won't be good. Uh, then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself also shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. That should say uh, Revelation chapter um, uh, 14. Sorry about that. Verses 9 through 11. So that was kind of, uh, that was my bad. So Revelation 14. Can I fix this too? <sighs> I tell you. What have I done? One, four. It's the coffee from this morning. I needed more of it. Um, Okay. It's almost right. What do you guys see up there? Oh, just a cloud. Okay, I was wondering. Okay. So there you go, right? Revelation chapter 14, verse 9 through 11. The next slide's going to be wrong. I'm not going to fix that. Worry about editors later. Uh, this wrath is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented uh, with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. What happens if you receive the mark of the beast? You're done. So I hear people ask me all the time, well, Pastor Tom, what if you're in the tribulation period and you receive the mark of the beast and then you realize it's a bad idea? It's too late. This lets us know you've you've passed the point of no return. You've crossed the Rubicon. You can't go back. It's all over. That's a line you can't cross. So I I look at that and and it's forever and ever and ever. Um, You don't want to go there. Uh, I ask people, or people will ask me, well, you know, this is interesting. I'll receive Jesus Christ after I see all these things unfold. I want to challenge you, if you can't live for Christ now, what makes you think you're going to be able to die for him then? Because to not receive the mark of the beast means this, off with your head. And understand this, you won't be able to buy or sell. This is for the message on technology. You won't be able to buy or sell unless you receive the mark of the beast. That means if your child... There's a cure for cancer, and your child has cancer. And you know that if you just buy that one shot, your child will be forever healed. If they get that shot, that's great. But the problem is, to be able to buy that cancer treatment, you have to receive the mark of the beast. What do you do? Let your child die? Or receive the mark of the beast and, um, and let your child live, and you are condemned forever and ever and ever. So it's that kind of pressure that's going to be going on during the tribulation period. So with that, I want to encourage you and implore you. If you don't know Christ, 
Ask Christ to forgive you. Same thing with anybody that's watching out there via the internet. Ask Christ to forgive you. He will forgive the worst of sinners. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn us, but that through him we would be forgiven. All these things that I've spoken about tonight are in the Bible. They are coming about. The events of the last days are all unfolding, and everything is heading toward this individual that's going to rise up, that's going to begin to rule the world. He's going to have a sidekick known as the false prophet, next message, and he's going to use technology to bring about the control of the masses. And that technology, folks, I'm telling you, it is here. It is here, it is right now, and all it takes is for uh, this, this person to rise up, a global, this whole globalistic movement is going to eventually happen too. I want to implore you and encourage you to ask the Lord and be honest. Lord, am I ready? Am I forgiven? Have you repented of your sins? If you haven't asked Christ to forgive you of your sins, ask Christ to forgive you. Repent of your sins and there will be...